I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome back to Not Another Mummy Podcast with me, Alison Perry. There is no denying that experiencing miscarriage is devastating. And my guest on this episode is campaigning for a change in law around the paid leave that parents are entitled to when this happens. Angela Crawley is MP for Lanark and Hamilton East, and she wants the government to introduce a statutory requirement for employers to provide three days of paid miscarriage leave for all parents who experience a miscarriage before 24 weeks of pregnancy. Currently, bereavement legislation entitles parents who lose a baby after 24 weeks to two weeks of paid bereavement leave, but there is nothing in place before that. Angela recently became a parent herself when her partner gave birth to their first baby in January. So as well as talking about her campaign, we discuss those sleepless nights and how, as a same-sex couple, they are juggling the parenting. There's a link to the petition in the show notes and I urge you, once you've had a listen, go and take a look and please do sign it. Hi Angela, thank you so much for joining me today. Uh, what's your day been like so far? Is it wet and windy up in Scotland or have you got a bit of sunshine? Um, no, it's typically raining as usual in Scotland. So, um, well, actually that's not true. It's been dry this afternoon, so I took a little boy walk and that's been my day. That's good. Nice to get a bit of dry weather. I know what that's like. Having grown up in Scotland, um, I know you've got to grab those chances while you can, haven't you? Um so firstly, congratulations. You mentioned your little boy there. Congratulations on becoming a parent. Um, you and your partner had your first baby recently. We did. We had our little boy Hudson in January. So um, he is eight weeks old tomorrow. Wow. Wow. What has that been like? Because you're right in the thick of it. That's like proper, you know, that's that's a tough stage when they're so little. How are you getting on? Um, okay, I'm really lucky. I had um, my partner give birth in January, so she's off on maternity leave for a year, and I was really lucky that I got to have six weeks at home. So I really got to spend that time at home. And then last week it was a bit of a culture shock going back to London. And I think the job itself, absolutely, like I think there's so much more kind of digital and you can do stuff online and do a lot more virtual. But the actual travel, I'd forgotten like how how much it adds to your week. And are you coping okay with like the sleepless nights? Because I mean, you know, you've got a fairly high pressure, a very high pressure job. 
um, it must be hard to do that on not very much sleep. Um, yeah, it's, um, it's a bit of a juggling act. We, we try and kind of do a bit of like shift just so that some of us can get some sleep at some point. Um, but yeah, it is, it's definitely an adjustment to not... We had quite a nice lifestyle <laughs> and, and to suddenly not yeah. get a full night's sleep as... Um, it's such a shock, isn't it? I think, like, honestly, I think that was one of the big things for me when I had my first. It was just from going from no kids to one kid was just like whoa like your whole life just feels like it gets just turned upside down doesn't it um I think I think what you're saying though in terms of like doing shifts I think that is that's the key because the worst thing you can do is to have both of you there like awake you know while whilst one of you's feeding the baby having both of you awake and you know just one of you get get sleep but at least if one of you's feeling a little bit more kind of with it the next day then you're on to a bit of a winner aren't you yeah absolutely I think I don't know I've spoken to other people and I'm like how did you do it and and some people just power through and you know I all credit to them because you know if you if you don't have any other option or if you live in a quite a small flat or whatever you've just got to haven't you because it's not like you can go into another room or whatever and so I think you know I think we seem to sometimes like like every parent you're like one day we're getting this the next day we're not getting this um and and it just carries on like that it really does like you feel I, I remember really strongly feeling like oh we've cracked this we're onto a winner and then something will change and it's like no no we were just getting to grips with this and it's all you know up in the air again um but I'm always curious with same-sex parents whether there's more of a feeling of equality obviously you fight for equality in so many ways you know with your job um when it comes to caring for a baby, you know, are are you are you just as likely to kind of jump in and help as as your partner is? Is is there do you, do you feel like there's more equality there? Um, I mean, we don't really know any different. If that makes sense, like it's not like we've ever had it any other way. Um, I would like to think that I am very much equal parent. I do as much as I can when I'm here. Um, I mean, my partner might think otherwise, <laughs> um, but no, I think, I think, I think we've kind of got it as us. Like we do, we both kind of do as much as we can and um, we, we sort of switch off if one of us needs just a minute, the other one takes over. So I think we're both quite hands on in that sense. And I don't feel like I'm that kind of other parent that just goes away and forgets. Yeah. Bye. See you. To be fair though, I'm, so my, my husband is a stay at home dad and I work full-time more than full-time let's just say more than full-time um to make myself sound better and I am that one like this morning I closed the door to head out for meetings and my one of my three-year-old twins was screaming about world book day and not wanting to wear her costume and I was just like see ya (laughs) closing the door behind me like oh you know one, one of you's got to do that at some point you know I know it's true and I think yeah world book day I enjoy seeing everyone else's world book days we're not quite there yet I feel like if we try and dress them up we'd just not be for having it um but yeah that's that seems like when you get to the good bit but then maybe if there's twins it's it's just try to get both them in a costume isn't it (laughs) yeah and it totally depends on the personality of the child the costume that they want to wear like so many variables so many variables I'd be quite happy if World Book Day just didn't exist. But I know that I shouldn't be saying that. It's not in the spirit of it, but, you know, I'm just... I'm no, just I feel like that is very honest, though, because, like, parents already <laughs> have enough with, like, Halloween and every other holiday that it seems to require a costume these days. Oh, my Book goodness. days just... Oh, like... yeah. And some it's books are high maintenance. Um, some books have, like, a lot, a lot yeah. of costume to go into. I've seen some, like... 
excellent parenting though where they've obviously picked the book that's got like the least and it's like here's a penguin top with a penguin book and a penguin teddy that'll do there's definitely a spectrum of how much effort needs to go into these things yeah my eldest um she's she's going tomorrow for her she's um 11 and it's her school's doing it tomorrow and i've said to her just go in your own clothes and you can be a muggle from harry potter and she's quite happy with that so i'm like yes that's a win. It's a win. Now, I want to talk to you about the important work you're doing um, for parents around miscarriage. But before I do, I just want to um, touch on, I, f- I feel like it's fair to say that everyone's childhood affects their view on the world. Um, now, looking back, what are the things that you saw and that you experienced that led you to becoming an MP? Um, I mean, quite honestly, probably the most profound thing was losing my own parent. My mum passed away when I was 14, and I think that probably changed the course of my entire life I became effectively like a carer for my younger brother um my dad was a single parent so overnight our life was kind of turned upside down and I think that does change you quite substantially because you go from being a child to being you know an adult and 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 a carer really overnight so I think that probably changed quite a lot of my path going forward and I knew more than anything that I wanted to go to university that had to be in a sense like I wanted to be successful so that I could be there for my brother if he needed me so I think that probably set me on quite a focus and quite a determined path of ironically did not want to be a politician um but I knew I wanted to work in or around politics and that's something I really passionately cared about and probably from quite a young age had a real sense of injustice and inequality and just the sense of people who had and people who didn't and that real why why was society like that why did some people have lots more and other people have little and I think I remember being so aware of that in early years of secondary and doing like projects on kind of inequality and I think my teacher was like who are you (laughs) um and I loved, I loved all of the kind of modern studies, politics. I just, it, I just got it. I think, and that's probably not the most normal thing for like a thirteen-year-old wee girl to be quite like into that. So yeah, it just, I think politics was when I look back inevitable, but it wasn't a foregone conclusion. I guess it's funny, isn't it? Because I, I sort of, I guess, rightly or wrongly, view politicians as being power hungry you know like they've obviously grown up and they want to be they want to have an important job they want to have power and be able to make changes but what you're describing is very different that's like that comes from a real human place like you just want to help people and you know fight for you know fight against injustices and fight for equality that's that's totally different I think politicians these days do have a bad rap like it's definitely it's not helped by, you know, expensive scandals and party gate and things that have happened quite recently that I've just, you know, I I do remember being in university and it was around the time of the Iraq war and there was lots of kind of, that was the original kind of expensive scandal and I remember just having this really poor opinion of politicians and thinking, I don't want to be that. But if you don't stand up and if you don't, make your voice heard then how do you change the system and it was that kind of well I can't complain about it if I'm not willing to be a part of that institution but every now and then it does still have 
probably that reputation because there are it, there's a spectrum I think there are so many politicians who who do go into politics for the right reasons and they want to make a change and they want to make a difference and on a really human level regardless political party you all kind of have the same goals and then there are some people who probably are more akin to the kind of politician view that you have sadly and they let the side down for everyone yeah yeah um, well, let's let's hope we get more people like you, um, you know, doing your job. Um, and what's the reality, would you say, of, you know, being a female MP? Do you feel like female MPs and politicians are taken as seriously as the men? Do you feel like when you are down in London that you almost have to prove yourself somehow? Or do you feel quite comfortable that you are, you know, viewed as, you know, um, as an equal to, to all the male MPs? I don't know. I don't know if it's maybe just my upbringing, but both my parents kind of were like in the trade union movement. And I was sort of brought up with the belief that you're no better than anyone else, but you're kind of every bit as good. And I got to Westminster in the same way as absolutely everyone else. Did I have the same background? No. Did I have the same kind of privileges and opportunities growing up? No. But I, I got there anyway. And I felt that my voice had a place that I was a young 20-something woman, that my voice deserved to be heard and that, that voice of my constituents in the area that I grew up in and that I call home deserved to kind of have a platform and just to not simply stand on the sidelines. So I perhaps went there with a kind of view of I'm not going to be kind of this woman in politics but someone that stands up and really speaks up and, yes, being a woman in politics and having that representation is so important being an openly gay politician is so important, but being all of those things and being able to speak for, I, th- I think particularly women as well, I, I've realised, especially through the miscarriage campaign, that there's so many things that women experience that, sadly, you know, men do experience these things too, but it's so unique and they don't have the same platform, they don't have the same privilege or opportunity to speak in the House of Commons and say this is something that really profoundly impacted on my life and we could make this better through legislation, through policy and you know miscarriage is one of those things but fertility treatment, menopause, there are so many issues that impact on women that men with the greatest respects you know they can understand it, they can empathise, they can experience it in their own way but it didn't doesn't happen to them. So my miscarriage campaign is about parents, but it is specifically about saying women don't get to be heard on this and there's a stigma attached to this that there shouldn't be. We should talk about this and we should make legislation, we should make policy and we should make parliament work for those women as well. Definitely. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... 
All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. So tell me what the current status is. Um, am I right in thinking that... Um, if um, a miscarriage occurs after 24 weeks, is it um, like a bereavement leave that the parents can take? But before that, there isn't anything that they can take. Yeah, so the way it's classified is uh, pregnancy loss after 24 weeks is referred to as a stillbirth. So legally, that is the legal definition. So parents who experience that loss after 24 weeks are entitled to up to two weeks bereavement leave. And that's for the loss of a pregnancy or a child up to the age of 18 years, which is incredible and welcome. And absolutely, you know, two weeks paid leave is probably not even enough, but it's a statement and it says you are entitled to leave. What has happened to you is significant. And we recognise that both in law and in life that you should have that legal recognition. So my campaign is saying, well, what about a parent who, who experiences that loss be- before 24 weeks? Are they not entitled to that same recognition of that grief and that loss? It's just as profound. In some ways, it can be as profound and, and equally more devastating because there's that kind of idea that, well, perhaps if it happened early, it's not as significant as if it happens later. And we shouldn't create this hierarchy of grief. It is it's loss. And it is a grief that people and parents face and sadly too often they face it alone and in silence because they feel that they're not entitled to that and that's a really sad fact and the the point that I made was, you know, what if you're a parent who experiences that loss at 23 weeks and 6 weeks, 6 days? Nothing in the law yeah. says you are entitled to leave and okay, there are some incredible employers and there are some really excellent best practice of large companies who are introducing their own policies of employers who have gone above and beyond. But equally, there's no consistency and you could work for that one employer who doesn't recognise it and there's no legal obligation for them to do so. So like New Zealand and more recently Northern Ireland, we are calling for the government to introduce as a minimum three days but I would love it if the government would match the two weeks bereavement leave that they've introduced after 24 weeks because I don't believe there's any difference in the grief that a parent experiences. Yeah um, I mean do you think that two weeks is enough? I mean you know you said that you know three days is is what you're campaigning for but in an ideal world what do you think what do you think should be the minimum that, that's being offered? I mean, I absolutely know that three days is not enough. And, and you might then say, well, why? Why are you campaigning for three days? But it was really just, there's a, a legislative precedent that exists in other countries who have introduced leave on that basis. And I think to get it on the statute, it's, it's that incremental change. It's accepting that in politics, change doesn't happen quickly and it won't happen overnight. But to get the recognition in the first instance three days would be a start but we have spoken to employers who've said seven days 10 days 14 days it may never be enough like one parent 
might just be grateful that their employer gave gave them a few days off and understood. Another person might need weeks and months and much longer. And I think for the parents who have bravely shared their story with me and and spoken at length about the the physical effects on the the woman who has experienced the miscarriage. But on both parents who said, you know, the father didn't feel like he was entitled to leave at all. He just felt like he had to go back to work and he couldn't be there for his partner. I know even in um, like a same-sex relationship, if you're not the gestational mother, then perhaps you don't feel that you're entitled to the same grief as your partner. So, so there is a real conversation about there's the physical aspect of miscarriage that, you know, someone needs more, more support. And that's the legislation is one part of it. And that leave is a part of it. Getting that in the statute would be a meaningful recognition that that loss and that grief is not it's not a sickness. So why would you be taking sick pay when you're not sick, so to speak? Mm. Yeah. You, you've just lost a pregnancy and you're experiencing profound grief and loss. And yeah, there, there, there are the physical aspects, which, you know, a sick pay would go some way, but it, it's a quite a significant difference if you're, you're in a job where that, that pay just won't pay the bills either if you need to take an extended period of leave. And, and many fathers said that they took unpaid leave because they didn't feel like they could ask for holidays or leave. And... <clears throat> The point is we should have a workplace culture where there is a wraparound of support where we recognise that people experience significant life events and any any good employer knows that if you treat your employees with respect, if you care for them, if you create an open dialogue where your employee can come and speak to you and say, I didn't disclose my pregnancy because it was before 12 weeks, but this thing has happened to me and it's really set me back and I need time. And that's a really difficult conversation to have, which is why having the right to take leave just opens up that ability. And some people won't want it. Some people won't want to disclose, especially if they're trying to conceive and it may, and it does sometimes happen on more than one occasion. That was the question I was going to ask you, actually, was I, I, you know, I was thinking all this through and I was thinking, I wonder if some people, if they're, you know, they they don't want, perhaps they they work in a, you know, in a culture where they know that they'll be discriminated against because they're actively trying to have a family and they'll lose out on that promotion or whatever it may be. Um, it's, It's, the whole issue is just filled with, you know, risks I guess isn't it it is and sadly I mean we already know the statistics around pregnancy and maternity discrimination they exist and they are stark and that's that's another reason why I I think interestingly when you include the fact that it's parents and you speak about fathers strangely the dialogue changes and people are so much more receptive because you have male managers who go oh yeah my wife went through that and I get that and there is you know, there is an understanding there, which is good because I think sometimes it's been seen as a women's issue and just something that happens to women. And actually, we do need to change the way workplaces operate because the way that women and parents are are starting families is changing too. Like the, the number of people who are having children later in life who are going through fertility treatment because perhaps... They either have known fertility issues or 
for example, you're in a same-sex relationship and you're trying to conceive, you know, there are all these things that we just quietly go to our work and we don't make a noise about it and you know I've read stories of women having to kind of take their hormone injections in their bathroom and work because they don't want to highlight it to their employer and and that's that's the state of play that we're in but if we change the way workplaces worked for young young people especially who are coming up through who prioritize their career so they're starting at that point a bit later and if you could just transform workplace policies to recognise that there's a value in saying, yeah, we get it, you want to start a family, you're going to have to take maybe X amount of time but in the long run if we treat you with respect and we support you and we reward and we recognise your abilities rather than the fact that you're potentially going to have a child, then the, the benefits to an employer are so much more. And that, for me, is the fundamental point. If we could encourage workplaces to have their own policy that goes beyond statute, that goes beyond legislation, then what you would find is that people are far more rewarded, that they'll give more to their jobs, to their careers, because they feel recognised. And I think perhaps that's the part that we're missing. We're not getting that sense of the work culture is changing, people want to have flexible work and people want to work from home, but they also want to come to the office and they want to have promotions and they want to have opportunities. And if we could get that right, then you you, you start to change the gender pay gap, you start to tackle workplace discrimination. Quite passionate about this. Yeah, no, it's, it's great. We need you to be. Women will give so much to their employment over their lifetime and they'll have pensions that you know, they want to plan for it as well and they have careers and your own example of your husband stays at home with the children, like families work differently. It's no longer just this kind of 2.4, the wife stays at home, the husband goes to work. So workplaces have to adapt to that as well. Yeah. And you mentioned New Zealand and Northern Ireland. What are they doing that's different to how we have things here? So Northern Ireland have introduced um, bereavement leave in, in line with the UK, but theirs doesn't have a cutoff of 24 weeks. They're consulting to have bereavement leave universally. And that's basically nice. what I believe we should have had when I feel like it's a missed opportunity. The bereavement oh. bill is, is great and the legislation now exists, but that arbitrary cutoff was created for for its own reasons, for legal definitions and reasons. But tell that to someone who experiences that loss under that cutoff and they don't they don't care whether the pregnancy was legally recognised as X, Y or Z. It's just it's a loss and it was a pregnancy and and that impact to one person can be different from another. But the point is the right should be there and it's about creating that legal right that yeah. currently doesn't yeah. exist. And how hopeful are you that this campaign will be successful? And are there things that we can do? You know, can we be writing to our, our own MPs? You know, is there, um, you know, a sort of, is, is there something that we can sign? Is there, you know, should we be you know, writing to our own employers, asking them to put something in place? What can we do? So yes to all of that. There, There is a petition at the moment, which um, already has over 38,000 signatures. Um, which is calling on the government to introduce paid leave. Um, right to your MPs, there is a we've secured a Westminster Hall debate, which 
isn't in the main chamber, but my goal is that we will have a debate in the main chamber. So write to your MPs, encourage them to attend the debate on Tuesday. The debate is in Westminster Hall at 11am. It's only a 30 minute debate, but it's the first debate that we've been able to secure on this issue. And I hope that it won't be the last. Um, yeah, I want, uh, there is a, the Miscarriage Association have a workplace pledge, which workplaces can sign up to, to say that they'll kind of, I think there's five key pledges that each workplace can, and they are quite realistic pledges as well of, you know, will you create a workplace policy for miscarriage and ectopic pregnancy? Will you ensure that you have leave, that you have counselling services, that you have these kind of support? Now, not every workplace will be able to do all of those things, but if you can commit to the kind of five key asks, then then you could create a far better workplace and I think it's that kind of trying to have the best practice from from the larger companies and be able to adapt that to the smaller companies because the economy is made up of over 80% of small to medium enterprises and it's those companies that don't have the resource they don't have a large HR department or bespoke policies so that's where I think the legislation would make a realizable difference because it just gives them you know, the ACAS guidance has been updated to say, here's what you can have after 24 weeks and here's what you don't get before, but it'd be good if you gave them it. I think ACAS could do more to say, if the legislation existed, we recommend a minimum of three days leave, but here's some examples of policies that exist for 7, 10, 14, you know, and perhaps the policy could be flexible. So perhaps you don't need to take it in the one go or perhaps you could take it at a later point when you feel that you need it most in a period of time. So, yeah, in summary, there's lots that people can do. Definitely sign the petition, definitely call on your MP to support. The, I have a private member's bill, which was supposed to be here in December and it's second reading. It's been moved to the end of March. There is also the employment bill, which is at some point coming down the track. And the employment bill will be the opportunity on a variety of issues to transform the rights and the the legal rights that pe- people have within the workplace. So I think that is a real opportunity in so many ways to make legislation work and to adapt it to the modern world that we live in and the modern workplace that we that we want to adapt to living in as well. I think some of the proposals include flexible leave, perhaps to make it easier for people to be able to ask for it without it being <laughs> being such an arduous task and yeah. to make it possible for for modern families to be able to both be at work and both provide for their family and, and adapt to all the requirements that childcare comes with. So yeah, yeah, there's there's lots that we can do, and it's there's a lot not... there's a, there's a lot to do, isn't there? <laughs> yeah, there always is. But um... yeah, um, you know, thank you so much, Angela, for giving me your time today to talk through it. I'm going to put a link to the petition on the podcast notes so that people can just click through really easily and sign it and find out more about the campaign. Um, and yeah, I mean, there's there, it feels like there's so much to do, and at the moment. With everything that's going on in the world, it's really important, I think, that these issues don't get forgotten about and don't get swept under the carpet. Um, so it's great that you are, you know, flying the flag and really, you know, pushing for this and shouting about this. So thank you on behalf of, of parents everywhere. Oh, thank you so much, Em. It's really lovely to meet you as well. And I'm sorry it's taken so long to get this together, but I'm so grateful for your time as well. It's lovely to meet you.
you're a busy person what can i say you know it's, it's fine <laughs> thank you so much it's been great to chat to you you too take care bye hey it's Paige desorbo from giggly squad high quality fashion without the price tag say hello to quince I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.